Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In with your hosts, Megan Myers and Steffi Pridemore. This week, we're welcoming back our guest, Chloe Daniels, to talk about women and finance. Stay tuned. Do you love listening to I'd Rather Stay In and want to support the podcast? Well, now you can. Visit our website or the link in our Instagram profile and click Buy Me a Coffee or visit buymeacoffee.com slash podcast. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can help us cover the costs of creating this podcast. There are no monthly memberships, and you can support us at whatever level you like, whenever you like. Whether you buy us one coffee, many coffees, or simply continue listening as always, we're so grateful for your support. Hello! Hi, Steffi. Matt, what's up, Megan? Uh, I have something nerdy to share with you. Ooh, please do. Mm. So last week we were talking about uh, our peony flowers. Yes. And I had so many peonies. I was like, oh, what can I do with these? And so I was looking up ways to like preserve them or use them in things. And uh, I didn't really get around to doing that because then it started raining and they kind of all got destroyed. Um, That'll happen. <laughs> right. But I found out something very interesting about my peonies you and i have different peonies in yes. our gardens they're different varieties yes uh yours is a i believe a semi double peony uh-huh. and then mine is either a double or a bomb double i'm not quite sure uh what the difference is necessarily or which kind it is we didn't plant them i don't know but <laughs> um the interesting nerdy thing is that on a double peony is that you know like how flowers have stamens in the middle where they have like all the pollen and things uh-huh on a double peony those turn into petals oh uh and i just thought that was like super cool and like evolutionarily weird and i i don't really understand how they like then can propagate because they don't have any stamens yeah, um, that is wild. Yeah, but I just thought that was, like, cool. I'm like, I have to share this stupid nerdy thing. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, we all, because, like, I have one, two, I have four different peony plants, and they're all a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have, like, a totally different type from that. And this, I mean, honestly, this is why I love peonies so much, because there's so many different types and I think they're all beautiful and also that is fascinating that's a fascinating little nerdy thing that you learned fun fact of the day fun fact of the day wow today's not lost because we learned something <laughs> I mean I think that we're gonna learn something as we talk to our guests today as because we always do but we learned something about flowers and not just finance so right there you go right <laughs> You know, we spend a lot of time talking about uh, feminism and topics that, you know, apply to women and uh, female identifying peoples and female presenting peoples. And so today we are going to talk about finances specifically as it relates to those groups of people. Yeah, and so to do that, we decided to invite back our friend, Chloe Daniels. She has been making all these incredible strides in the world of finance and we're so proud of her and we're really glad to have her back because we always learn so much so welcome back chloe thank you so much for having me yeah i was trying to remember like our first time that i came on i want to say it was was it emergency funds or was it investing 101 I think that one was investing, and then you came back and you talked about emergency funds. Yeah. And that was a few months. That was like several months ago. I think that was maybe towards the end of last year. Um, And you, since that episode, you have had some big life changes that I would love for you to share with the class. Yeah, for sure. So, yes, so much has changed in such a short period of time. Um, So I can't remember if this happened or not prior to us talking, but in October 2021, I actually quit my job to do Clobear Money Coach full-time, which has been such a whirlwind. Um, and since at the time I was living in Chicago, I was like, well, now that I am not tied to a job here, why am I living here? So my dog- Why and am I, I living where it's so expensive? <laughs> well, and it's 
would say Chicago is probably one of the most affordable major cities in the U.S. But for Which me, is sad. right? But for me, it was really the weather. I just was mm-hmm. so tired mm-hmm. of those awful winters. And every single winter for ten years, I was like, "Why do I live here?" And so, <laughs> um, my, my answer to "Why do I live here?" was always, "Well, I have a really good job." Uh, So once that was no longer a reason for me to stay, and you know, as you guys probably know, the older you get, the more your friends kind of disperse and have their own things. And so there really just wasn't that much keeping me there anymore. Um, But to answer the question of where do I want to live, I really had no idea. So my dog and I are on a very long, like slow road trip across the United States to kind of just date cities and figure out where I want to live or, you know, who knows, I could end up being a digital nomad for <laughs> a longer period of time. So that's what's been going that. on. Yeah. It's, um, it's been really cool. It's, uh, it's definitely lonely at times I would say for sure. Um, but so far it's just been like, it's such a blessing to be able to do this. We may have to have you back just to talk about this experience. Cause I, I always find this as a person who is married with a child and a mm-hmm fuck ton of animals and (laughs) owns a home like the idea of just like picking up and putting all the creatures that live in my house in a vehicle and like traveling the country is like not I mean I I know that there are people who do it but for me and like my personal needs it's not a thing that I could really do but I'm always fascinated when people do this and so uh we yeah you're probably gonna have to come back after this journey ends so that you can tell us all about it and like all of the logistics and the things that you learned because I think it's yeah I'm so down it's funny whenever I tell people that I'm doing this their number one question is usually oh are you doing van life and I'm like hell <laughs> no I'm <laughs> like I am not cool enough for van life like that sounds awful I would sound terrible I always think like with van life what do you do when you show up to the new place like you you just you're just still in your van (laughs) right like where do you park where do you park so people like you'll get like a ticket for like sleeping in a parking lot overnight like I don't know there's there's a lot of logistics to that I've there's like a TikTok account I fell down a rabbit hole into um not too long ago of a gal who's doing van life but in her Prius with oh, yeah. a dog that's like the yeah. size of Logan. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I follow her. Somebody had recommended um, I follow her after I announced my road trip and they knew I was doing a Prius too. And I was like, wow, that's a big no for me. But like, good <laughs> good for you. And I mean, she's got a huge following. I'm sure she's making a ton of money. I'm sure. You know, so like, I'm sure if she's smart with it, she could probably retire in a couple of years. But yeah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know I know Megan and I both really enjoy just watching how much your business has grown and seeing that, you know, it's it's been successful for you and fun and life-giving and we're just we're so proud of you. Thank you. Yeah, I still I'm definitely at the stage where I'm like, is this really my life? Is this like <laughs> is it all going to disappear in a second? So it's definitely a, an unusual adjustment, um but yeah. definitely grateful for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt a lot of those same things when I left the corporate world and was I'm like, wow, I don't have to deal with this bullshit anymore. Like, pinch myself. This is great. So truly, it's, re- it's real. <laughs> so we wanted to have you on to specifically talk about women in finance. So to get us started here, for anyone who might say that finance isn't gendered, what would be your response? Because there's always some white dude oh my God. <laughs> who's like, you shouldn't make everything about gender. Roll it up in your comments. Right. Oh my gosh. That's just crazy. I mean, until the gender wealth gap no longer exists, until the wage gap between genders no longer exists, it is absolutely going to be gendered. Uh, and also, until men and women live to be around the same age, it's also mm. going to be really, really gendered, you know? So um, I think too, we have to keep in mind that women really didn't even gain control of their money until the last 50 plus years, like maybe 60 years. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of our grandparents, they were, they didn't have access to their own funds or they weren't working or it wasn't normal. Um, So it absolutely is, uh, especially when you just look at the, the larger picture on a societal level and then on top of it, you know, just in terms of women and access to money. It absolutely is. And education about money. I think so many, I think uh, a lot of our 
male counterparts were maybe taught more about money and investing and just shit like that than uh, we were just growing up. Yeah, for sure. So many, there's so many factors to it. It's bananas. Right. Like it's, I, I've had clients before who have told me like, yeah, my parents taught my brothers how to invest and you know, how to negotiate their salaries and all these things, but they never had those conversations with me because it was always this like underlying message of like, oh, you won't have to worry about that. Like that's something that your Mm -hmm. husband will have to worry about. I even have a friend who she, the first time she went into a financial advisor, uh, she went in to try and like learn about how to invest. And the financial advisor literally told her, no, you don't need to learn. Like, you don't need to worry about this. Your husband will do this for you. Someday. No, not even kidding. And like, that was within the last 10 years. So it's like, wow, the fact that that was still said to someone who, who went in to learn, uh, it's just, it's truly mind blowing that like, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, we've made so many strides in gender equality. And it's like, yeah, we still have a really, really long way to go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, you know, in talking about just access to money, um, a lot of women, especially married women, don't really bother with learning about the money because they've been told, oh, your husband's going to take care of it or your husband's going to be the breadwinner, which is not the case in any of our households. Um, But can you explain, you know, why women need to get more involved in the finances, whether you are partnered or not? Yeah, I mean, you're just taking on such a big risk depending on, honestly, anybody else besides yourself to manage your own money. Because at the end of the day, no one is going to care about your money as much as you're going to care about your money. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just so many reasons that women need to be involved. Uh, The first thing that comes to mind is women are actually better investors. Um, It's been shown time and time again in studies year after year that it may not be a huge difference, but women usually do slightly better when it comes to investing because they're not willing to take on as much risk as, you know, an average guy is willing to take on. And also, you know, we think with that risk in mind, and so we make those less risky moves like potentially investing in index funds or things along those lines. And generally those outperform over the long term as well. So because Mm -hmm. of our cautious approach, and that's not applicable to every single woman out there. Like that's not, there's this, there's this idea and pervasive message out there that says like, oh, women just aren't risk takers. And I don't really agree with that narrative. I think it's just, we're a lot more prudent and we're a lot more discerning. And we also don't have these egos telling us that, you know, oh, I know it's almost impossible to beat the market consistently. I'm going to try to do it anyway. You know, that's not what Mm -hmm. we're doing most of the time. So that's one thing is like, you could be trusting your future and your retirement with your husband. And you think that just by him, by being a man, he's going to do better at managing your money and actually studies have shown that the opposite is actually true. Um, but beside, beyond that, just the actual performance of a woman versus a man in the investing world, you also have to keep in mind the fact that women live longer than men. So even if you are, let's say, putting your retirement in the hands of your partner, you have to keep in mind, at some point, the likelihood of you having to manage your money on your own is extremely high. So whether you have to learn it now when you're young and you're active and you have the time or when you have to learn it after your husband has passed or after the worst has happened and you've ended up in a divorce or whatever. I don't know about you guys, but I would rather learn when I have the option rather than being forced when, you know, either you're grieving or you're dealing with some major life changes to also then have to learn like what the heck is an IRA? how the heck am I supposed to retire if I don't have a pension or, you know, all of those things. So those are, those to me are are two of the biggest reasons, but, you know, statistically speaking, we are all eventually going to have to manage our own money. You know, it's more likely that's going to happen than not. I mean, I think one of those reasons why women are less or more risk averse is because we do live longer. Like we're looking more for the long term later on down the road and I think a lot of guys are like I want to make a lot of money right now right well and I think too the the thing is we do live longer 
And so we do have to be more prepared than the average Joe. Um, mm. But I also think that because we're slightly or can be perceived as slightly more risk adverse, um, that can prevent women sometimes from starting with investing. I think we talked about this before, but a lot of women will hoard their cash in like savings accounts and mm -hmm. they won't invest. They just keep it all in a regular old savings account. I've had so many friends who keep all their money in a checking account. And it's like, that's actually doing you a huge disservice because you really don't need to be holding on to that much cash. And really you should be optimizing your money by putting it into the stock market so that, you know, you, it can grow and it's not just sitting there losing money to inflation, which, a lot of people now are really paying attention to the impacts of inflation since it's been at you know record highs in the last 20 years. Um, but it's something that even when we're not having record levels of inflation, it's still happening every year. It's 2%, 3%, whatever. Um, but your money's slowly losing value rather than consistently gaining in value in the stock market. I think that's a good segue into our next question. What other mistakes do you see women in particular making when it comes to money? I think that's one of the biggest ones is, you know, waiting or, or keeping that money in cash. Um, but the other big one is a lot of women and this, I mean, I would say it's probably women and men. They think that an IRA is an investment or they think that their 401k is an investment or they think that, you know, XYZ is an investment when actually those are just accounts. Um, so a lot of folks will open up an IRA and be like, okay, cool. I'm good. I transferred money into my IRA. I am invested. I should be good for retirement. I'll do that year after year. And unfortunately they don't realize that their money is just sitting inside of a money market fund or a settlement account where it's not learning, earning much more than your bank account interest is going to be earning. And the reason is, is because they didn't pick investments inside of their IRA. That is a devastating mistake, especially if you don't catch it early on. Um, there's been horror stories of people who have maxed out their IRA every single year, putting the $6,000 in until they were 65. And then when they go and they look at their accounts when they're 65, they realize that it hasn't grown at all because they never actually picked investments. So it's like those stories are so heartbreaking because it's like you did the work. You did the hard part, which was putting that money aside but you just forgot this really, really important step to, you know, move money into your actual investments. I also think it's like kind of shitty that it's set up in a way that you can right. just miss that step. Like the fact, because I mean, I've set up 401ks before and like there are, because I and I have done them where like in order to proceed to the next step, like you have to choose what you're you know, how you want to invest it. Um, so the fact that there are accounts out there where they just literally let you dump money in and then no one says to you, right. Hey, by the way, you forgot to do this thing or we didn't tell you to do like, that's shitty. It is. It is. There should be some kind of like warning that pops up on the screen. Like, are you sure this is what you want to do? You don't want it to just, you, you want it to sit there. You don't want to invest it. <clears throat> like there should be some kind of conversation happening, especially with retirement accounts. That's the thing yeah. is like with a taxable brokerage account, you know, that's like a other level. Like usually people who are using taxable brokerage accounts, they have some level of education because they decided to go off and start investing on their own. But there's kind of a caveat to that. You know, a lot of people use Robinhood and things like that as their first taxable account, but they know they have to go pick individual investments. Whereas when you hear about an IRA or a 401k or a 403b or a TSP, you think all I have to do is put my money in there and I'm good. And that's just mm -hmm. not the case. And usually with your 401k or your TSP or your 457, all of those workplace accounts, usually you'll get automatically invested based off of what you filled off on the paperwork when you signed up for the account. So mm -hmm. that's not as big of an issue with your 403Bs and 457s and 401ks, but you should still check. You should still make sure that you're actually invested. You know, at the end of the day, you don't want to leave it up to chance. You got to at least log in and be like, oh, I'm invested in TR2060, whatever the heck that is, you know, but at least I see that I have an investment inside of this account. And the thing too is like, with those workplace retirement plans, you can call, you can call and ask, you can call the, the service provider and be like, hey, I just want to make sure I'm invested. Can you tell me what I'm invested in and, and you know, explain it to me in layman's terms. Um, so definitely whoever is listening, if you're like, whoa, 
am I invested? If you even have a shadow of a doubt, go and check, go look at your IRA, go see what you're invested in and know SPAXX or anything that says settlement fund or money market account or money market fund, that is not an investment. That is like a place for your money to sit until you go buy investments. So if anybody takes anything away from this, that's what I want them to do. <laughs> I think the first time you shared that on Instagram, I panicked and I immediately went to check. And I was like, okay, I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like, like, you know, then people like, let's say they go and they actually look and they're like, oh crap, I'm sitting in a money market fund or oh crap, that SPAXX she was talking about, that is what my account is in. Then they're like, well, now what do I do? How do I know what to pick? How do I know what to invest? And one of the easiest ways to get started when you have no idea what to pick are target date funds. Your 401k, your 403b, your TSP, likely if you didn't pick investments yourself, it's sitting in a target date fund. And essentially what a target date fund is, is you can decide, okay, I'm gonna retire in the year 2060. Well, guess what? There are target date funds that are designed for you to literally pick, oh, target date fund 2060. I'm gonna pick that target date fund and that fund is going to automatically rebalance the closer I get to the year 2060 so that it's you know moving along in life with me and I didn't have to do anything. So and there's usually like a uh, there's usually a risk preference that you can also choose like your low risk, your moderate risk, your high risk preference within those target dates because that's I mean because and the reason that I know that I'm invested in my retirement accounts is because every single time every time I've had to set them up, I've had the what the fuck do I choose panic <laughs> right and just really ended up choosing for the most part the target date fund with my preferred risk level because I I do get overwhelmed by it so that's the only reason I know is because I distinctly remember going ah fuck what do I do right well and that's the thing too is depending on which brokerage you're using there's a lot of different types of target date funds or they're also called balanced funds so balanced funds, if you see the word balanced, you know, okay, this is probably going to have different stock funds and different bond funds inside of it. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a target date fund. It could be a risk preference fund where you go in and you pick, okay, I'm gonna pick a conservative balanced fund. Well, then you know it's probably gonna have a lot of bonds inside of it. Whereas if you go and you're like, okay, I want a highly aggressive balanced fund, well then you've got you know those options as well. With target date funds, a lot of the times they have not, like you said, not only the year, but you can also adjust it accordingly depending on what your brokerage offers. Um, but what's really nice about that is it's totally hands off. And there have been studies done that shows that if you are invested in a target date fund rather than somebody who's like going in and picking individual funds and kind of playing around with it, if you're investing in a target date fund and kind of leaving it hands off, a lot of times that'll outperform what the average investor who you know has emotions at play, doesn't really know what they're picking, thinks they're picking the right things. Um, a lot of those times the target date funds will actually do better because of how hands off they are. That's great, that's a really great tip. Um, so one of the other things I want to talk about in terms of how finances are gendered is how women in particular are targeted differently than men um, by credit card companies, by banks, by like all of these different financial institutions. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think a lot of the ways when I think of like how women are targeted in terms of I immediately think of media and like mm -hmm. the tips, the financial tips that are targeted towards women, what I hear is a lot of coupon clipping and like how mm -hmm. to save more money and how to cut back on your frivolous spending. It's like this con Don't get your lattes. Yes, it's like a lot of this message of messaging of like, oh, women are just frivolous. They're just, you know, out there spending. They can't control it. So here's some tips on how to control your spending. There's not a lot of tips out there, or at least until recent. There hasn't been a lot of like education targeted at women about how to increase your income, how to get that next job, how to, you know, how to invest for wealth, how to take on risks, how to start your business. So I think that that's been huge is that we've really kind of, it's almost like infantile, infant, how do you say it? Infantilizing 
where it's like infantilizing yes where you're like treating these women as if they're incapable of understanding how to do these things that are marketed towards men which you know you go and you open up any magazine or any publication dedicated towards men and their growth it's all about how to kill that next job how to get a hundred thousand dollar raise how to you know all of these things so just the messaging alone in terms of what is directed at women in terms of like the media is huge. Um, so I do feel like in the last five or so years, we've been making a lot of strides in the media specifically towards providing that education, especially obviously in social media spaces. Um, but you know, when you're constantly fed that message, that's also going to impact your perception of yourself unless you decide to go out there and get differing education, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of financial products, that's an interesting question, and I'm not entirely sure I have the answer or not. Um, I think that a lot of times the financial products that are often marketed towards women are usually in relation to kids. Um, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times women are, you know, marketed their, you know, different 529 plans or different saving money for your kids or saving money for your kids' futures before they're focusing on their own retirement. And for me, I truly believe that you should be focusing on your own retirement before you focus on paying for your children's schooling uh, or your children's retirement because it's kind of like, you know, the mask situation on a plane. You've got to put your own mask on first before you put on your child's mask or before you put on anybody else's mask. Uh, The thing, too, is I think that people fail to think about is like if you're not preparing for retirement because you're spending your time saving money for your kids uh, or your kids college, then who's going to take care of you in retirement? Like what what's the plan there? Are you expecting your children to take care of you in retirement or are you you know, you know, what what's the what's the end goal there? So. I always say there are loans for school. There's not loans for retirement. So always, always, always make sure to put your mask on first. And I mean, you know, ultimately when you're planning for your retirement and, uh, you know, that it's more of a long game for sure, but you are helping your children you know, when you think about, okay, are you, am I going to have an inheritance to give them? A hundred percent. Yeah. Building that generational wealth, making sure that they aren't going to have to be supporting you into retirement, making sure that, you know, you, you're taking care of yourself because at the end of the day, your children really don't owe you anything. And you've got to make sure that you're not putting any amount of pressure on them. And then bonus, if you do have money left over when you pass, you get to, you know, pass that on and, and start that generational wealth journey. Or you could leave it to your dog, whatever you want to do. Or you could do that, you know? <laughs> if you're like, screw those kids, I'm going to donate it to science. I don't know. <laughs> right. It's your money. You can decide yeah, what to do. You get to decide, which, yes, for sure. But yeah, in terms of like other financial products, I think that's a, it's an interesting question that I don't feel like I'm well enough educated on. Um, just because like when it comes to credit card companies and things along those lines, I'm not entirely sure how they are you know, marketing differently towards women versus men. I'm sure that there are definitely ways that they are doing that. I'm just not particularly educated on that. When, when I think about you know, the differences between men's finances and women's finances, you know, I think the pink tax and those things, but in terms of the marketing behind it, I'm not entirely sure. When I think of a credit card issue uh, for women, I automatically think of like store credit cards. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I don't know if it's as bad as it used to be, but I remember like every store I would go to, you used to be like, oh, you could, you pre, you could get pre-approved for this credit card. Like we're not even going to run a credit check. Like you'll save 10%. You don't, you want to apply for this credit card? And it was, you know, it's every store that you would go to just encouraging you to get more and more credit. And then that eventually like sinks a lot of people. Right. And that's some of the worst credit cards you can get most of the time. Usually they have crazy yeah. high interest rates and they're just they're, they're just kind of ridiculous. I remember growing up, my mom had all the stores credit cards. It was like she had a Victoria. She's had a Penny. She had a Kohl's. She had like all of those things. And like I don't have a I have never had a single store credit card. Uh, I guess if Amazon counts, I've got an Amazon card for the cash back. Um, but yeah, it's wild to think of or even the their the charge cards, they're not even credit cards. They're just yeah. charge cards specifically. Like you can't even use them anywhere else. You can only use them for that particular store. 
Um, I guess that's one of the benefits of online shopping now is you don't get get those pitches to buy or to, to do the right. credit card. It's a lot often. easier to be like, no, yeah. go away. Right. Than right. to be like in the middle of the spiel, be like, shut up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah like true. I have the Target card, but it's tied to my debit card. So like it's not, it just saves me money, I guess. It doesn't really do anything else other than like you can only use it at Target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I think that those, I, I wonder if those are phasing out. They seem to me to be phasing out. I don't feel like a lot of people are getting, you know, Victoria's Secret credit cards or, or whatever like they used to. But that's right. just anecdotal. I don't know any of the stats behind that. That's I feel like the thought, only though. place where I still get bombarded with it is like at Old Navy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> or TJ, TJ I, I, I mean, I only shop at TJ Maxx like in person, but they always are like, oh, do you want to get the TJ Maxx credit card? I'm like, no, why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'll save X amount of dollars. I'm like, no, I'm good. No, thank you. I always thought it was the funniest thing, too, where, like, uh, we would have relatives that, like, had the JCPenney card, and they would, like, go to JCPenney to pay their credit card bill. That's so And then so just wild. buy more stuff on their JCPenney card. I'm like, what are you doing? That's such a wild, like, different time. Like, I... I avoid in-store shopping as much as possible. The only in-store shopping I do is like grocery shopping. And even for a while, I avoided that as well. (laughs) Felt that. Yeah. 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 I don't know the last time. I'm like trying to think of the last time I purchased like clothing that was that wasn't like from Target in a store. Right. To a store where I had to like try something on. I guess it would have been pre-pandemic. Yeah, the whole process just like that just all sounds awful. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired thinking about it. I'm tired thinking about like the old back to school shopping days where you would just like power through oh and get my all gosh. of your back to school shopping done in like an afternoon. Like, yes, I need a nap just thinking about it. So oh, I used to love that as a kid though because it was like oh, it was the, the best. It was the one time that we'd get like new stuff, and it was yeah. like. It was so exciting to be like, oh, what's my whole wardrobe going to be this year? Right. And right? You, spend, you spend like weeks thinking about what your first day of school, like that whole first week, but especially the first day of school outfit to plan is your be. outfit to make the best yes. impression. Oh right. my gosh. This is so funny. I, this is like recovered memory. I remember <laughs> I had like a very wealthy or at least wealthy to me friend in grade school and every like September when I'd go over to her house and she was always really mean to me. I think the only reason I was friends with her is because she had a pool, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I remember I would have to sit through basically a fashion show where she would show me all of her new clothes for the school year. And like, it was like a ton of stuff. And I just remember like, she like, here's everything that I have for this school year. (laughs) It's just so funny to think that like, that was something I did as a kid. Yes. (laughs) It's kind of wild. Yeah. Just like, (laughs) ooh and odd at somebody else's wardrobe. (laughs) Uh, And making like mental notes, like, okay, maybe I can convince mom to buy this for me for Christmas. (laughs) Right, right, yeah. And oh well, and I remember growing up, it was like limited to and like these oh expensive gosh, yes. places oh, that too like, expensive for my family. Uh, so expensive. Oh, I remember it was like my life goal to get something from the limited to because it was just so expensive. And you know, we shopped at Kohl's, uh, yes. and I think I eventually got something. I can't remember for the life of me what it was, but it's just so funny how large of a deal that seems at. At that age, you know, in third grade, you're just like, it's the end. I remember saying to my mom, everybody who's anyone has limited (laughs) two jeans. She she thought that was so funny that she came. She was like, all right, well, we'll get you one pair for frick's sake. Just for the the drama. Yes. Well, that's something I've always been good at. (laughs) The drama. Yeah, I know. Speaking of school, it's wild to me, actually, we were talking about earlier, uh, like what you learn and stuff. It's wild to me that they don't teach this stuff when finance is so dependent on the rest of your life. Right. Way more than the Pythagorean theorem. Pretty sure the only like finance related thing I ever learned was how to write a check. Same. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Uh, we probably learned that. From, Chloe, we probably learned that from the same teacher. I can't remember what her name was. Her. I know. I can picture her though. Me too. She's like. She's like a cute blonde. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. I do remember doing that, which is so funny because I'm gonna guess 
neither of you have checkbooks now? Oh, I, I do because I, mean, I, I have one. Do I you? do. Oh my god! Yeah. And I, I pay. I pay most of my bills with a check. Like I mail it. Like I'm 85 years old because <laughs> my ADH. And I do it. I know. And everyone's like, you can pay that online or just send it automatically. I'm like, I know that I can. However, my ADHD is of the variety that if I don't write the check, I have no comp. Like I just can't picture how much money I is being spent on these utilities and like I need that to really be able to be like okay I have a handle on this so that's why I still have a checkbook um but oh my gosh that's wild do they have there's actually oh no mine don't have like cats on them or anything (laughs) though I should upgrade they're just blue (laughs) oh my god the junk mail flyers that you would get with all the different check designs you could possibly order and usually like a free thing of like return address labels shoved in there Uh like we used to have just like piles of just like random free return address labels amazing Oh my god, that's hilarious! Yeah, no. Yeah, a lot of the companies here too actually still like will only take checks, like no way and things like that. Yeah. Wow. Remember, we live in a two-horse town, Chloe. Oh yeah, I guess it's different because I forget you guys are in you guys are in Bloomington Normal, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I I can see that making a little bit more sense. When I was um I was I bought a car in the last six months and. I was in Peoria at the time, so I had to go to, like, I went to Roanoke facility uh-huh. to, yep. to, you know, renew or, or get it registered. And they were like, we're going to need a check. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they were like, and if you don't have a check, you can go get a money order. And I was like, well, I at least know what a money order is and can go do that. But I had to wait at the post office for like an hour until they opened because I didn't. Oh, I know. I was like, I feel like this is discriminatory towards millennials and Gen Z's. <laughs> right. Like, I wonder, like, do the Gen Z's like know how to write a check? Like, I mean, if I handed them a checkbook and said, like, write a check, which I actually already knew how to do that before we learned about it in high school because my mom had taught me yeah um because my mom always paid for things by check and stuff um but I do I wonder like there's certain things that I'm like okay is this like really going to be phasing out is that something that the younger generations are going to know how to do yeah are they learning something more useful than just how to write a check are they going to learn about budgeting like when are we going to make these changes right okay well I will say my my son's uh he's in eighth grade his social studies class, they actually did a whole unit on budgeting. Oh, that's oh, wow. awesome. That's I was great. very impressed. But then he would come home and report to me, like, the things they had to do for their projects. Like, they had to go, uh, like, they pretended they were 25 or something, and they had to go find an apartment and budget their all their expenses for a month. And he, he and his friend found this apartment in Chicago, and he's like, yeah, it's only like $200 a month. And I said, what? Oh, my god! You are going to die. <laughs> it's definitely filled with cockroaches. And like they, it might be made of cockroaches. <laughs> yes. Because they, they looked for like real places. Like they used Zillow or whatever to find real apartments. And I was like, that no. Is su- that's don't want to a- live there. That's such a cool project, though. Like, what a real-world project to actually get you thinking of, like, oh, I have this amount of resources, and, like, if I, you know, get an expensive apartment, that means I have to spend less on eating out and, you know, things like that. That's wild. What I... um, what I have seen is like the schools that do even offer any level of personal finance, a lot of the times it's the Dave Ramsey curriculum. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's better or worse, to be totally yeah. honest. <laughs> because right. it's a lot of like, you know, shame based, like, you know, just put your put your nose down and you should never see the inside of a restaurant until you pay off all your debt. And it's like you're teaching that to kids who are about to go into debt for student loans. Like you're basically saying like, yeah, okay, you can't live your life until those student loans are paid off. And it's just to me, not the best rhetoric and it's not a very balanced or sustainable approach. Um, But I guess at the same time, at least it's something. Um, So yeah, I think the, I think one of the biggest reasons that we don't see it in schools is our education system is already, you know, overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that they're trying to squeeze in. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's just not a lot of people out there who can teach it, you know, especially Mm -hmm. to kids. I don't think that there's a lot of folks who are personal finance experts, especially, you know, we don't have personal finance teachers, you know, it's not like you go to school to go and teach personal finance. Um, Mm -hmm. So I assume that's probably part of it, but also, you know, not that long ago, 
we had pensions. You didn't have to learn how to invest for retirement. You didn't have to worry about that stuff because your employer was going to do all of it for you. And in the last 50 years, we've slowly, you know, switched out of pensions and moved into the 401k system. And so now all of a sudden there's this big shift of your employer being responsible for your retirement to you being responsible for your retirement. And the education has not caught up. And my hope is that eventually it will since that that major shift has changed. Um, but I think we're still stuck in the like, no, you don't have to worry about that. Cause that's, you know, you'll get that through your pension when that's not the case anymore. And certainly, certainly not with social security. Yeah. I mean, some places don't even do 401ks. So, right. Exactly. Especially no. if you're working at like a small business or if you're working at like, you know, a firm, I know, I know lawyers who don't have access right. to employer, uh, sponsored plans. So they've got to go do it on their own with an IRA and a taxable brokerage account. So, Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things that hopefully over time, the whole idea of like, you know, writing a check will be swapped out for like, you need to save for retirement and here's why, and here's what you can expect. And, you know, here's some ways to do it, but, uh, we'll see what happens. Mm. So we just, we kind of touched on this and, and, but didn't really dig into it. So, you know, we've talked about the fact that we do have this gender wage gap and that women and female presenting people, they automatically earn less money. Mm-hmm. Just pretty much it's the rare exception where that's not the case. So do you have any tips to share regarding negotiating raises or figuring out what you should be earning or just anything around that topic? I mean, that it could be an episode in and of itself. Right. Any just like quick things that you want to share? For sure. Um, I think one of the best things you can do is talk to your coworkers or talk to people who are in similar industries uh, who are doing similar work. Um, one of the ways that I knew that I could be getting paid more is simply by talking to my mentors and being like, you know, I was always money focused in my career and I always wanted to be making more money. Um, but because of that, it was, you know, it was a common conversation for me to have with my boss of talking about, you know, what's next for me. Um, cause I was never satisfied with where I was at. I was always like, okay, cool. I got my promotion. Now I'm thinking about what's my next promotion. So, you know, Finding some kind of an ally at work is fantastic if that does work for you. But if you, you know, living in a toxic or working in a toxic environment where you don't have that kind of open communication with folks, you know, look for that outside of where you're at. Luckily, we live in a time where information's accessible. Uh, you know, even going onto LinkedIn and finding if it's looking for your next promotion or looking for an industry move or just looking for, you know, what are people doing in my field right now and what is their pay what is their expectation what's their work life looking like people are so open to a 15 minute phone call for an informational interview because at the end of the day people love talking about themselves so you know going outside of your work is also an option is you know go internet sleuth on linkedin to you know do a quick little informational call with somebody i've had several informational calls when i was trying to figure out you know what i wanted to do with my life before i stumbled on what i'm doing right now Um, And it was always eye-opening to hear, you know, what other people's lives were like, what their work was like, what they could do, what I could do, what I could pivot into, and what I would need to do in order to do that. Um, But I think one of the biggest things we can do as women is share what we're getting paid. Um, I know there's a lot of taboo out there and people feel like that's shameful and the businesses we work for don't want us to do that, but it's so powerful. I was really lucky in that I had a female mentor who was ended up being my boss but i knew her before she ended up being my boss and i would ask her you know what are you making what should i be making what can i ask for in this role and she would always encourage me to ask for way more than what i thought i could get and i think that that alone just knowing what was possible helped me increase my income significantly in a really short period of time when i moved to chicago in 2015 I was making $42,000 a year. And by the time I left my corporate gig in October, I was making $130,000 a year. So that was a a pretty big increase in a pretty short, I mean, that gosh, that's almost a $100,000 increase in a really short period of time. But it's because I was constantly getting that information and asking those questions of like, okay, here's what I think I should ask for. Does this sound right? Do you think this is crazy? What should I do? And and I'd you know, be able to bounce that off of uh, my mentors. So I think that's yeah. huge, uh, especially when we're talking about you know, the racial wealth gap for women. 
it's sure it's bad when you're comparing white women to white men in terms of what we're getting paid but when you compare a white man to what a black woman gets paid it is so much worse yeah so the white women out there those folks we need to be sharing our salaries with women of color. We need to be talking to them about what they're getting paid and we need to be talking and, and advocating for them as well. So that simple act of being transparent with your salary can have some really, really big impacts uh, in ways that you may not even realize. So that would be um, probably one of my biggest tips. Um, but the other thing is I think women do not go after jobs and promotions in the same way that men are trained to essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think LinkedIn was the one who did the study not that long ago. I want to say it was like 2019 where they showed that women will wait to apply for a job until they're hundred percent qualified for the job. Whereas men will usually apply to a job if they're 50% qualified for a job. And that's based off of just reviewing like the qualifications on the job application or the job form. Um, And I think we have to keep in mind that those job qualification forms that when you're looking at a job description, those are like ideal scenario. Like in a perfect world, this person would have all of these things. They're not really expecting to find somebody who has all of those things. It's just in a perfect world, this is everything we want. But a lot of folks will see that and be like, well, I don't have my master's or I don't have 10 years of experience or I don't have this, this or this. It generally doesn't matter if overall your experiences would be a good fit for that role. So what I always tell women is if you qualify for 50% of the qualifications, freaking go for it. If it's a job you want, go for it. At the end of the day, you have nothing to lose. uh, And chances are you actually have a better shot than what you think you do. So I would love to tell you a story right now. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, And I have many I could share, but this one... Really grinds my gears. Uh, So this was a few jobs ago for me. And my employers were, uh, you know, spending a lot of time. I was, I was like one of the top people in the, um, in the company. Um, And I I was pretty young at the time. I was 27, I think. Um, And uh, I was like one of their, I was one of their best employees, like, all the things and they were talking to me about like working towards making me a VP and uh I was like okay awesome and they you know it said like you know we're not gonna hire anybody above you like we want to work with you to get you get you to a VP position like blah 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 and then like five seconds later they bring in this guy who was a couple years older than me but didn't really have he had connections because of who his father was but he himself didn't really have much more like experience than I did and they didn't mention what his title was going to be and then he goes up on the website and he has a VP title and I called up one of my bosses like I I got him on the phone and I said essentially what the fuck you just told me that you weren't going to hire above me like you made this guy who has no experience in what we're doing a VP. What the fuck? And he was like, well, we just gave you a $5,000 raise. So you should just be grateful for that. Oh my gosh. That grateful. That very day, that very day I called up somebody else who had been trying to poach me. And I'd been like, no, I don't think this is the right time. And I said, is that job still available? I want that job that very day. Because I was like, oh, no, you didn't fucking tell me to be grateful for the raise that you gave me. And I think that that's I think a lot of women get that messaging, whether it is that direct messaging or it's that like implied messaging that we should just be grateful for whatever raise we get. So if Mm -hmm. you you go in and you have your annual review and you get a three percent raise, you should just be grateful that you got anything at all instead of going back and saying, hey, I actually worked my ass off. This is what I did for you. This is what I've done for this business. Like this is what I brought in, like what like having that evidence and saying I deserve more of a race in this or I deserve a promotion and seeing what they say like advocating for yourself in that instead of just sitting back and be like well they gave me something so 100% I can still eat I guess today like we do not and I you know Megan and I are in a, a group chat with one of our friends Susanna um, and the three of us are always talking about 
what we're making um even now when we're in like the similar fields but like you know sort of freelancey type stuff um we still talk about what we make we still boost each other up i have another group chat with two friends that are in we're all three in like completely different industries but we share very openly what we make and we you know when one of us is like oh i think i deserve more or should i increase my rates for this or whatever we boost each other up and we say go for or we like help figure out what that should be like i think your point about just being open and talking with your girlfriends about it is so important because also those are the people that are gonna be mad with you when you have some dill hole say well i give you a five thousand dollar raise you should be grateful Jeez. and they're gonna be like no fuck that go get that other job girl that yeah that, i hate that response so much of like you should just be grateful there's definitely been times where like i've posted about you know if you got a three percent raise this year you didn't really get a raise you know no that's that's just making up for barely making up for inflation especially right now well and it's not you actually got a demotion right at this point, you know? <laughs> right, at this point it's like nada right and it's like you can be grateful for the gifts that you've been given and the, the situation you're in and the fact that you have a job and still want more it's yes. not like those two things yes. can't coexist and it's like 100 this idea that you should be grateful do you think that they're really saying that to men like oh you should, absolutely like also also that. i would like you to know that they had to fire that dipshit like a month after I left that job oh my God. because he was so bad. He got fired. He actually, actually, no, it was this. He got fired the same day that I put in my note, my uh, notice. Wow. And it was wonderful. <laughs> it was a wonderful feeling. And I also like, I had a gal that I had kind of, I had brought into that job and I knew that she wanted to kind of follow in my footsteps. And I like, when I left, I got her on the phone and I sat her down and I said, this is exactly what I have made along the way in this job. These are the exact raises I got. Here's exactly when I got them. Write this down because you need to advocate for at least this, if not more, as you go along the way. Hell yes. Um, Because I was like, I'm not going to leave you just wondering, like, gee, am I get like, I want you to know, what did I get paid here? And also that I got told this dumbass shit. And so just keep keep your eyes open. Yeah, that's awesome. But it's like, it's those little conversations that make all the difference because if not, when you're going in and asking for your raise or you're asking for your salary and you're getting that new job, you're just kind of taking a shoot, like a, a, a shot in the dark, you know? And if you're actually able to go in there with data, you're mm-hmm. in such a better place. And the one other thing I did want to mention, because this was huge for me is I think a lot of folks wait to tell their intentions and wanting to grow at a company until mm-hmm. that performance review rolls around. And what I would say is make sure that is known months and months and months in advance. With mm-hmm. me and my boss at both both of the companies that I worked for uh, within the last 10 years, it was a constant conversation to the point where it was probably annoying. It was like every mm-hmm. one-on-one conversation we had we would talk about obviously my workload, but then I would also talk about, okay, hey, am I on track for this promotion? Am I on track for you know what we've talked about? Am I doing what I need? What else can I be doing uh, to, get, to well position me for that promotion so that when the time the performance review actually comes, it's not a surprise. Because if it's a surprise, most of the time performance reviews happen when the budget for the next year is already made. So it's right. like, you need to plant that seed well in advance. Like it should be a continuing conversation in my opinion, um, because you don't want to show up and just be like, like you've, you've got, maybe you show up, you've got all your data and all the things that you've done in the last year. Well, if they're not prepared for it and the budget's already made, you know, maybe you'll get a little bit of a raise, but it might not be as significant as what it was. Had you prepped them far in advance and made your intentions known. Yeah, and say, what can I do to get to where I want to be? 100%. Yeah, exactly. That was what I was going to say. If they, if you say to them, I want to be, you know, at this place, I want to have a team under me, I want to be promoted throughout this job, I want to grow. And if they don't have an answer for you, red flag, red flag. flag. (laughs) Then you're not at the right place, 100%. Yeah, I would always check in and be like, like at my last job before I left, I wanted to be a director by the time I left. And so I'd constantly be like, all right, you know, I would even, you know, my, they, there wasn't a lot of organize, organization where I was at. Like it was, it was just kind of a free for all, but I 
I put the organization in place. It was like, mm-hmm. I want to have a six month conversation. I want to have a check-in to see how I'm doing on my goals so that when those performance reviews come, you can be prepared for me to ask for that. So um, I think that's one of the things too, is people always say is like, well, they don't have a structure. They don't have performance reviews. They don't have those sort of things. Well then ask for it, then do it yourself. You know, it, There's no reason you can't create your own performance review in order to get those conversations going. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're managing people like a 360 review, like God, I hope your company has a 360 review system like in place, because if you are, you know, in a management position, having that feedback from people that are reporting to you, Hey, it's great for you as a manager, but also like if you're getting really positive feedback, that's just more evidence for you to be like, Hey, yep. I'm really awesome. You should give me what I fucking want. Yo. So yeah, one hundred percent. You like gotta. Said, there's we could we could talk for hours just about this topic. Megan and I have a lot to say on that. <laughs> Truly, but, but it, I mean to be fair, when it comes to wealth building for women, it's one of the most important things you can do for yourself. Like yes, of yes. course, learning how to manage your finances and learning how to invest is also incredibly important. But like, you need money to do that, and the more money you have yeah. to do that, the better off you're going to be. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Chloe. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we always learn so much. Talking to you is always a joy. So Thank you so much for having me. You know, I love talking about money. <laughs> well, like I said, maybe next time, instead of specifically just talking about finance, we'll have you, uh, we'll have you come on and talk about your road trip because I think that would be a super fun conversation. So I am always down love that we're just we're just gonna like preemptively put you on the schedule and let you know what happens uh so let's talk about joy what chloe is bringing you joy this week um so this i can't say too much about it but i secret right after this call i actually have a conversation with a book publisher that reached out to me and amazing they're a really large book publisher as well it's like a it's definitely a dream um dream moment or i'm like holy shit how is this happening um but i'm i'm really excited for that just to just to even have the conversation you know whether or not i do it um but i'm really pumped about that that's That's amazing exciting oh my god it's crazy it's definitely like one of those things that i've dreamed about forever um Granted, I never would have thought I'd be writing a book about investing, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's funny where life takes you, right? It like, sure is. It I sure want to do this thing or like, I want to be a writer or whatever. And then you, sometimes you wake up and you're like, I'm doing the thing. And I just didn't, it doesn't look the exact, what I thought it was going to look like, but no. I am doing this thing. Well, like, and honestly, it's, it's, it's so much better than what I would have imagined. Cause it's just like the amount of people that it could help. And like, you know, when you go and you look at the bookshelf at Barnes and Noble for investing, it's all men, all dudes, white men. dudes, all white dudes. So like to, I, and when I think about like what the cover of this book would be, I would want it to be like, I don't even like pink, but I would make it like <laughs> hot freaking pink. So that in this like in this shelf of just black and red and blue books, there's just this like hot pink book about investing. That's that's yes. what I want. So oh, fingers oh crossed. Gosh. Hopefully that's what happens. But I'm definitely excited about even having the opportunity. Love it. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well, good Steffi, luck in that. Good luck in that convo. Thank you, yeah. Steffi. What's bringing you joy? Um. So. I follow our local bookstore on Instagram and the other day she had posted like she, every like Tuesday she posts the new stuff that she's gotten in that week. And, um, last week she had gotten in a set of Dungeons and Dragons tarot cards. And <laughs> one of our friends, Caleb is really into Dungeons and Dragons. And so I was like, Oh my God. So I went and I messaged her to put them on hold for me and I went and picked them up and I'm going to go mail them out to him uh tomorrow because i was like uh caleb you need these in your life and he was like oh my god yes i'm so excited so just bringing me joy that i can share some nerdy thing with my friend and make them really happy i love that <laughs> so also also like i'm not into D, um but i will say just from like the box the illustrations look beautiful so um looks like they're really well done so i'm excited to send those out to him so, uh, Megan was bringing you joy. Um, so I was thinking about it a lot this morning and it's kind of related to like what Chloe was just saying. And, um, I am just, uh, feeling really 
grateful for the place I am in my life right now, um, especially with work and the ability to be at home and work and not work when I can't work um, and take the time that I need for certain things and just kind of, um, I don't know, it just feels like it, the past couple of years, like it's a lot of reprioritization. And I just feel really good about it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. I know you, we, you and I have been having a lot of conversations about that topic and t- tangential topics. So it's been it's been a good time for all of us. Yeah, there's a lot even of hard like shit the, going on, but yeah, yeah. I mean, even with you know, it, I'm trying to run a business, and it has ups and downs of like any any business mm-hmm. that you're trying to make money in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, uh, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, love it. Well, until next time, listen to us on your favorite platform and follow us on social media at IRSI podcast. You can also send us an email at I'd rather stay in podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Bye. Ooh.